Meet Elisa. She is based in Thailand and deeply passionate about social innovation. Elisa talks to us about what it means to be a social entrepreneur and a woman in leadership whilst trying to make sense of her life as a daughter with aging parents. We hope you'll find the moments that resonate with you during this conversation. We did. Enjoy and keep rocking. Hello to our She Rocks audience. So happy to have you with us once again. And today, Muck and I are thrilled to have a guest all the way from Thailand sitting in conversation with us. And so I'd love to present to you, Aliza. Aliza, hello and welcome to She Rocks Global. Hi, Norvisa, Maka. I'm so happy to be here. I miss you guys, actually. That's so. fantastic. And in fact, I think you're already kind of letting the cat out of the bag in terms of the fact that we're missing each other, which are already starting to let people know that we actually all know each other. And so I'd love at some point for us to probably dig into how do a woman from South Africa, a woman from Uruguay, and a woman from Thailand find each other at some point, And then a couple of years later say that they miss each other. It's almost like the beginning of a very bad joke. So, but before we get there, perhaps, Elisa, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Where are you? And in fact, why are you in this conversation with us? Hi, um, my name is Elisa Napatiwa Amnoy. I'm the co-founder of Social Giver. So basically, I run a social enterprise based out of Thailand. And I'm originally from Bangkok. I have been taking my time to really immerse myself in the social impact space, as well as different social innovation. I feel that, you know, growing a social enterprise is really something that even surprised myself because I've always been working in the corporate sector for the past 10 years before deciding to jump on and doing this full time. So I've been actually running my own organization for maybe over six years now. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I have a couple of things that you said in your introduction that I think would be important for us to clarify for the audience. And so oftentimes we talk about social entrepreneurship. Then you've now spoken about social innovation. Then you spoke about social impact. And so do you think you have it in you to perhaps describe to us how you see each of those things being different ideas and how they inform who you are and what you do in social giver? I think a lot of the time when we are starting a, an enterprise, you know, regardless whether it's socially responsible uh, or otherwise or profit driven, I think that it's always about finding the right solution for something. And apparently what I'm interested in is how can we all live in a better world together? And a lot of the times I feel that it seems like such a big and far-fetched goal to achieve. But I, I'm very like glad to see that for the past few years, there's been more and more movement towards, you know, having this, you know, being socially responsible. And, and it's not just from a corporate standpoint, from what a lot of people talk about CSR as corporate social responsibility. But for, for me, and I'm sure many people out there also feel that, CSR could potentially be citizen social responsibility as well. So I think it's, um, you know, seeing how is it that you can create a model in which could sustain and scale that in a way that creates positive impact for those that maybe 
most, you know, they most need it or those that are basically left furthest behind. And at the same time, being able to sustain a team that knows that, you know, in this lifetime, they want to use their time in the most meaningful way, not just about making a lot of money, but also making a lot of difference. I love that distinction you do made between uh, making money and success. Uh, and I would like to ask you, Lisa, which is your definition for success? Wow. Success is really about, for me, most recently, I, I think this answer actually evolved over time. You know, sometimes I feel that uh-huh, how you define certain things is really about the people you surround yourself in or, you know, the problems that you see that's going on in the world and that you have a personal experience with it. And, and you start to realize what is it that is truly important to you? And the older I get, the, the more sense that I can grasp that sometimes success is really knowing, you know, more about yourself. And where is it that you're actually contributing and you know, being of help to others? And a lot of the time, people don't even recognize that as a success, but you would hopefully find joy in that process as well. You know? So I think that my definition of success now is a lot more simple, but at the same time, really at a different scale. And also like at that level of magnitude, yet at the same time, very small and singular. It's the, it's the simplicity which makes it almost de- deceptively um, easy, but yet the simpler that concept is, the more complicated it is to actually get to, you know, realizing it. So for me, you know, you talk about service to others, actually, it being how you define success. Which effectively, I wonder, actually, does that make you feel useful? And so when do you feel useful? And when do you feel useless? Mm. Wow, that's an excellent question. I think a lot of the time when you start to embark on this journey where you feel that you want to make the world a better place and it's such a cliche and you're just, you know, who are you? in your position to, to want to dream that big. But the thing is, a lot of the time I think back that it's not as if I can do it alone, you know? And that's when I realized that, yes, I am actually, I could be useless on a multitude of things. And that's when I, I know that a really strong support network would actually take you there, you know? And I feel that when I feel useful, it's usually because something good happens after that. Sometimes it is immediate. Sometimes it is not. But sometimes we also don't realize how useful we are immediately because it's a collective action that we take over a consistent period of time. And I actually never really thought of this distinction like directly as, as you have questioned it, but I find it really interesting that it's always like, you know, ebb and flow, right? And that makes it feel like, yes, you do have the willpower to create change, but at the same time, you might be smaller than a speck of dust and that maybe we should just move forward, stop judging each other, and kind of embrace that evolution of how we all grow towards something better. 
Wow. Wow. Nakadi, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I just want to get on. I love her. I want to know, Aliza, because I, I, I'm so aligned and I love to listen how, um, how you align your personal life with your professional life, like in your values, your view, like the purpose. And I would like to ask you, um, what frightens you? Wow. First of all, I think it's very difficult to align everything. And I feel that a lot of us sometimes feel the need to have, you know, to feel like we've got it figured out and that you can pretty much have everything. But I feel that it's really about being okay with not having everything right now. But you you know why you're doing it, you know? And so, like, for me, in terms of my fears, I have plenty. have plenty. I have issues of even presenting, you know, before. Doing a pitch. I'm like, what do you want me? How do I explain this so that other humans can understand, you know? So, it's not as if... Um, I don't, I think my fears consistently grow as soon as you explore more, either about yourself or the world or, or every piece of work that you're trying to do that is new. And then you realize that I've never done it before. And I feel that that fear of that, you know, it could be either very nauseating or it can really be very exciting. And it feels like you want to take up that challenge. So I think fear drives me both ways. You know, if you ask me, like, my bigger fears that are looming at the back of my mind is climate change. And I cannot even imagine the magnitude of that. So yes, I do have fear, but it shouldn't, like, stun me and not do anything and just count down the days. So I feel that fear could actually be used also in a positive light where we're like, we have to work together in order to achieve something. That's so interesting, Elisa, because I think so many times when we think about fear, immediately we go into thinking that it's a bad thing that exists within us. So I think that's really interesting that you view fear not as this singular concept, but it's actually something that drives you both towards action Or then it can also drive you towards inaction in the same way that when you're super excited, you can be so excited that you're paralyzed by your excitement or your excitement takes you to an interesting place. And we actually in our first season had uh, a guest, Leonie, who spoke about how rage drove her to a place of action and how she dialed into that rage. So for me, what I'm curious to know is when you talk about fear and how it drives you in different directions, how do you then almost harness it in a way that then it takes you where you need to be? Um, whether, you know, taking that fear and saying, okay, cool, I'm afraid, but I'm not going to be stunned. How, what's, what is this practical thing that you do to like shape it into something that is useful to you in your mission? Right. So, you know, honestly, when I started off, I felt that the way I could harness that energy was actually by circumstance. Because once you start having a team, you have to be a good example. So by you having to do something completely new or something that really freaks you out, you know, your team is actually looking at you and seeing how are you going to deal with this issue. And at that time, that was one of the key simple driver for me to be a good example and say, 
how can I see an opportunity in this situation, you know? And so that kind of got me into the habit of really seeing what is it that I am fearful of? Because I, I see fear as well as many other emotions, a part of a cycle. So when you see that everything has its own cycle, you will understand the true essence of impermanence. And when you understand the essence of impermanence, you know that even if there is success or there is fear or there's anything at all that arises, you would know that all those feelings are also not permanent as well. So as soon as you can step back and see that this is the fear that I'm facing, but is it because I'm going to look bad because I failed or I'm fearful of doing this because it might hurt somebody, then we have to adjust ourselves to be more tactful and be also more open-minded to how we communicate with other people. So a lot of the fear is, is in change, you know, and, and that applies to me too. I don't think I'm immune to any of the fears that arises, but if we have good memory, we can look back and say, I had a very similar fear before. And I overcame that. What was it that allowed me to break my barriers to learning something and pursue it? And if I did not succeed, what did I do to recuperate? And how can I recuperate sooner? You know, is my heart as fragile as it used to be? I think so, you know, but at the same time, you know, with with the experience, you can let go, you move forward, and you understand that it's still part of the cycle. I love it, Alisa. And I love how you put vulnerability as a key skill to, to leader. And, and I really believe that female leaders have this advantage or this um, different ingredient or, or innovative ingredient about being vulnerable and using our emotions as fuel to get to make our dreams come true. Um, what personal challenge are you trying to solve right now? We are living a very special time of, of the world right now. Uh, we are young, we are entrepreneurs, we are, you, you started the conversation saying you're a problem solver. Well, I want to know about your personal life. Uh, what are you coping with right now? Which, which challenge are you trying to solve? Well, right now, I think just being able to give myself permission to relax. I think that's one thing that I just discovered very recently. I feel that as entrepreneurs, we have to be on top of the game for so many different things to the point where I you have to be honest with you that I put everything else in my back burner. And even though I make jokes about it, how you know we're going through an aging process and you will never get any younger, but at the same time, you know, I have my mom to remind me that about, you know, not settling down yet. What about children and, and all the other things, which I know, you know, over time, but it comes from good intention that she doesn't want me to live a life of regrets. So I feel that revisiting our purpose of why we're doing what we're doing matters a lot. And so that you will regret looking backwards, you know, or at least understand that life only moves forward. And it's like, how do you want to, you know, flow with that rather than spend so much time and energy with something else that has already passed? So I feel that, you know, your question of 
using vulnerability, I never see it as a vulnerability at first until I understood the concept. I only was been labeled as being very emotional, but emotional in a way where we have to have some filtering thought process of providing constructive feedback either for other people or even for yourself, you know? And I think a lot of the time it's, it's really having, uh, reflecting the value and the quality of the self-talk that you have with yourself also helps you start crafting better conversations with other people outside of you as well. So being able to, you know, manage my personal life, I honestly can say that I also don't feel that I have it balanced. But I know that the nature of humans, we will correct ourselves. Once we start realizing how bad our health is, listen to that signal and do something about it. Just like when there's a business decision to make, we listen to it right away and we try to shift our strategy right away. Yet a lot of the times, the things that we feel in our personal life, I have been suppressing a lot of that. And therefore, I did not make a lot of the decisions in my personal life because I spent a lot of energy listening to, you know, all the things that I had to respond to in my business life. And so, I mean, one of, thank you for bringing that up too, because I feel that that should be a part in what I feel would be success for myself, you know, not to just be successful at what I do at Social Giver, but to also lead a happy, maybe simple life, you know, something that I feel fulfills me. So I haven't achieved that yet, but I feel that this is a really great time, especially throughout those like months of lockdown for um, us as well in Thailand is to really see how do you reprioritize your life? You know, how are you really spending the hours in every day? I'm not asking you to kind of note it down by the hour, the minute, because I used to live by my calendar and I still kind of do. But, you know, how is it that we can squeeze in some joy within every day so that we don't regret that we spend so much time on what we classify as work. I mean, you, there's so many things that I want to pick up on here <laughs> and I don't even know where to start. So I'm going to start on this, you know, maybe slightly more prickly subject, which is a subject of regret, which is this idea that, you know, on one level you talk about facing forward and moving forward. And at the same time, we are socialized to look back in order to learn, in order to move forward. So it's quite, you know, confusing. And yet it doesn't have to be binary in that way. Are you in the position where you can comfortably share with us maybe something that has happened recently that you could potentially see as something that you regret? And with knowing what you now know around regret, how are you moving forward from that? No. Regrets. I think I really neglect taking care of my parents. And I feel that because I have another sibling, my sister, she's a doctor, she can take care of mom and dad. Until she volunteered to be one of the frontline doctors at the hospital. So that meant that my parents had to also move out from living, you know, also with my sister because of the risk that it would have um, 
with my parents who are in their 70s. So I felt that at that time, if my sister had a duty for some other people because of her line of work and is her true passion to, to be there and use her skills to do that, why can't I just spend more time with my parents? You know, And how is it that I never realized that you know, with over time, the next time you know it, you look at your mom and dad, they're the same people, but you realize how much older they got. And it kind of hit me again on like how I should actually be spending quality time with them. How many more trips would I be able to make with them? How many more meals would I get to have with them? So a lot of the time, my regrets are so very much within, you know, my circle of family. And I really feel that this is one thing that I truly regret. I mean, I know that I fight a lot to be able to do what I do because it's not according to the social norms of what I'm supposed to be doing. And that doing good should be a hobby. It should be when you have free time, then you help other people. And so when I already had to fight through that resistance, I extended that resistance when they no longer resisted me to do this. I ended up spending a lot of time still focused on my work and not really being, you know, showing my gratitude for them to, that they're, you know, in their own way, supporting me through what I do. So, yeah, I I feel that this definitely would be something that I hope to do differently, not just this year, I would say starting immediately. So after this call, I'm calling them. Thank you. (laughs) Mom's going to be so happy. You guys like remind me, call your mom. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, that is a reminder to everyone listening. If you have parents, call your parents. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, Alisa, I I love the way you put it and and how you express yourself about your emotions and, and your feelings. And you brought several times the thing that I really value and, and changed my life forever, that it's to be aware of the conversation with ourselves, like how we talk to ourselves, what stuff we repeat to ourselves that maybe we've been told when we, when we were raised or in our, at the city we live and, and the norms we should be able to commit to. And, and as, a, as a female, and, and, and thinking about girls and, and, and women, but also boys, um, I would like to ask you, and especially because you're a female leader, because you have a social enterprise, uh, and the thing you said about uh, doing good shouldn't be something we do on our spare time, but it should be something, our purpose or something we do uh, all the time. What advice or, or, or what message would you like to tell to a girl or a boy that it's dreaming about changing the world? Uh, especially thinking about this conversation with ourselves, because I believe it's not only about business, as we said at the beginning, it's, it's about the person you want to be. What would you say to them? Hmm. I think when you have wholesome thoughts for other people, you're also being kind. You're giving an opportunity for other people to be able to show their kindness and show their good side as well to you. And when you're being so generous and kind to other people, you know, don't forget to be kind to yourself. A lot of the time, I think we beat ourselves up for maybe something that we've said that we didn't mean or replaying the scenes of something, maybe a meeting that didn't go as well as you thought or a presentation or when you have a huge audience and you feel that 
you could have done better. And I feel that it's a never ending situation that will arise continuously. But yes, you should learn from what you did wrong and something that could prepare you to be better next time. But it's really about just using your energy in a way in which will benefit you as a person that would be able to use your energy to be able to support other people. So whether you're running your own business or you're running like a business and a family, I think a lot of the time you just need to, you know, forgive other people a little bit more. You know, sometimes you have to dig down to their intentions rather than how they expressed it. And this goes for people in your family, people in your team. A lot of the time, how can you create that conversation so that you can dig down to their true intentions of what is it that they want? And so I know that it's already really hard to try to create some good in the world, but that's only if you think so. That's only if you think that you have to have other people sacrifice something in order to join you in this movement of doing good. But what if your solution is actually asking for people to do more of what they love, you know, make socially conscious choices that creates positive impact? I truly feel that when I build Social Giver, I want it to be able to surpass me. As in, if I die tomorrow, it can still be a tool to help other people and multiply its impact over time. With that multiplier effect, I feel that that would have been a success for the company with whatever I can contribute at this moment. And so a lot of the times, not everyone will agree with your social mission, either with the way you do it, or that they don't even believe that there could be a better world. You know, I have fallen into the trap of judging other people too. Oh, there are such mean people. Why are they doing that? They don't even care about doing good. Like, do they have children? Do they know what kind of world their children could be growing up in? And do they not want to make conscious decisions now? So all of these are things that definitely would arise as humans. But you know what? Keep moving forward. Keep talking. Talk to more people. It's a numbers game. If you think that you can talk to a million people, then keep at it. Because there's going to be more and more people that will join the tribe of creating a collective action that could be better, you know? And when it's better, it's better for everyone. So at the end of the day, ask yourself, like, you know, find joy in doing what you do. There will be some days where it sucks. And then, you know, you, know, you have a next day and you have a new opportunity. Just keep going. And sometimes when people say that, I don't know what to do next. You know, one of the best advice I got was simply just do something, something, anything at all. Just get yourself moving, get it out there, you know, keep that momentum. Don't just feel frozen, you know, because you don't know how long you're going to stay frozen that way. So the longer that you stay frozen, you feel it's even harder. The barrier is even larger and higher for you to break through. So especially for those who start to know yourself that you might fall into those patterns and traps, then be present with what you're taking action and not action on. Give yourself a clear space and clear time. If you need time to be sad about it, 
give yourself time to be sad about it. And then after that, okay, what's next? <laughs> like that. So have that mentality of just moving forward, giving yourself a chance. I love this idea of things can be better for everyone. Some days it's going to suck and give yourself a chance. I feel like those are the three things that, or three out of many things that I've, I've picked up from this. And so, Lisa, thank you for your time. Um, before we do part ways, how can we find Social Giver? How can anybody listening contribute to the mission? What do you want us to do to be better together? Wow. I like this question because it's such an open gate of ideas, you know? And of course, you're more than welcome to just reach out to me through like the Social Giver platform, or you could just email me directly, really. Alisa at socialgiver.com. You can find me. And I feel that I don't have something that I ask you to do specifically, but I want you to potentially take out some time for yourself and start thinking, what is it that really brings me joy in each and every day? And create very strong routines for yourself. You know, uh, one advice I also got that really resonated with me and I hope to be able to follow through is for, actually, I don't remember the exact word. Let me find it. It was actually in a chat. And I hope you can forgive me for being quite forgetful sometimes. <laughs> We're living through a pandemic. Did you know that? <laughs> She Rocks Global is a podcast collaboration produced by Macarena Botta, Nwabi Samayema, and Zoya Kukic. This season of She Rocks Global was recorded in the American Corner Cape Town, which is also where you will find our sound engineer, Tikrai Gegana. Theme music for this podcast is composed and arranged through a collaboration between South African musician Nosihe and Hannah Sagasa from Germany. Mixing engineer is T Luminous. She Rocks Global is a podcast that showcases the stories of perfectly imperfect women from around the world. Should you be or know someone whom you think we should be talking to, please contact us through our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter channels. Handle She Rocks Global. Hashtag She Rocks. Until next time, keep rocking.